the prodigal son has returned. Trent Williams is back with the Redskins. He's back, baby. Our season is turning around. Man, Bruce Allen just sucks, doesn't he? This is the Pigpen Podcast. Let's roll. Drag up that diesel. This is the Pigpen Podcast. I am your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. What we anticipated was going to be, hopefully, a busy week for the Redskins turned into a whole lot of nothing. Uh, the trade deadline came. The trade deadline went. Trent Williams showed up. And to the surprise of just about no one, he, he's not going to play. And we know this because he has told us for months that he is not going to play for the Redskins. But he is officially back. He reported. He took a physical. And there was discomfort when he put his helmet on because of that surgery that he had that the, you know, the Redskins medical team kind of messed up a little bit. A little bit of a misdiagnosis there. Still, uh, still plaguing him a little bit. Still didn't get that fixed. Classic. But he is back, so this means a whole lot of different things uh, for the Redskins. It's nice to see him back, kind of, but we also know that he's not going to play. There's no sliver of hope in my extremely optimistic heart that thinks that Trent Williams is going to to play for the Redskins this year. He's probably not ever going to put a Redskins uniform on again if we're just going to sit here and be honest. But this Trent won this situation. And I know Bruce is going to think that he won because Bruce's stupid, dumbass ego is the reason this mess is the mess that it is. He's going to think that he won because Trent Williams is back, but we know Trent Williams is not going to play. He's going to do the probably the Jalen Ramsey route uh, of find different injuries that are going to just keep him out of playing. I don't doubt, by the way, that there was probably a little bit of discomfort putting the helmet back on. I'm not saying that is uh, an inaccurate injury or inaccurate information. There probably was some form of discomfort, but I would be willing to bet it was something that if he really, truly wanted to play through, he probably could. You know, I never heard a, a physical being failed because of that. They can make a new helmet. They can make it so it, it fits your head a little bit more comfortably if they really wanted to. But he just doesn't want to play here. So I don't doubt that information. I, I say that's probably true, but I definitely think that Trent could pl- play through it if he really wanted to. But I mean, I imagine Bruce has to think this was a win. He is back. Bruce said he was going to be back. Bruce played hardball with literally everyone, which is the reason this mess has become the mess that it is. Bill Callahan, a little bit more optimistic. Uh, supposedly him and Trent spoke for about an hour. Uh, so a good conversation, I would imagine, between those two guys. And Callahan kind of uh, said he wa- he's hopeful that Trent is going to play. Spoiler alert, he is not. And he said that Trent is kind of, his heart's in the right place. Again, I don't doubt that Trent Williams' heart is in the right place, but unfortunately for Bill Callahan, the heart of Trent Williams is at a place where he doesn't want to play for the football team that you coach. So it's in a good place, but it's not a a good place that benefits you uh, as pertaining to actually doing your job. 
it's a very weird situation, and I would have loved nothing more. Like I'm sure that the conversation between Trent Williams and Callahan was a very interesting one. I bet those two guys could be a little bit more real, but I would have loved to be a fly on the wall uh, in, the, in the room that had the first conversation between Trent Williams and Bruce Allen and probably Dan Snyder in there as well, face-to-face for the first time in Lord knows how long. Because it seems like da- like Bruce Allen has said on multiple occasions leading up to the past month that, yeah, like Trent and I talk and all that. And then when he actually did fire Jay Gruden and got up there in front of the media, he said, actually, we haven't spoken. So I would have loved to be a fly on the wall and just see what exactly did those guys talk about. Was it cordial? Was Bruce Allen thinking that he was like everything was well and good? Because at a certain point, like he can't really be this dumb, right? That he, he just can't, he seems like he is always wrong. Like, even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? There's no way that Bruce Allen can consistently be as wrong as he is, but he seems to be consistently as wrong as he is, almost to a fault. It's like, I don't understand how he consistently gets everything so unbelievably wrong, so I would have loved to see what that conversation was like. But the trade deadline itself was a, a day that we thought, you know, maybe just maybe the the franchise could be flipped a little bit. I think at this point in time, everybody knows the Redskins culture is not damn good, despite Bruce Allen saying that it is. And we also know that this team really isn't close. So we as fans know that this is probably going to be a season of rebuilding. Now, it seems like we've been having multiple seasons of rebuilding. I mean, seasons coming up. Not this one. This this season is a disaster. But next season and the season after that, you would expect to be a season of rebuilding. But it seems like we've always had a lot of seasons of rebuilding. And Bruce is obviously the guy to point to because he can't build a good football team. But you would have anticipated maybe just maybe not going full-blown Dolphins, but at least taking a page out of their book and saying, let's see what we can get from some guys that we aren't going to keep around forever. And Trent is the first guy. I mean, we have been screaming and crying for months saying, like, if this dude is actually not going to play for you, get him the hell out. There's no reason to keep him if he has said on multiple occasions, or not said, I don't don't know how much Trent Williams actually talked about this, but it has been pretty clear he does not want to play. And yet Bruce Allen is sitting here on his high horse, kind of playing hardball with teams that had real interest. It's always great the day after a deadline, you kind of learn some more information about talks between teams. And we had a pretty good idea of how the talks were going between the Redskins and the Browns, which was not good, especially if you were on the side that wanted Trent to be moved. The talks were terrible, but we learned a little bit more about it after the trade deadline came and went, in which we found out that Cleveland was offering a first-round pick weeks ago. But because Bruce Allen is stubborn and playing this weird brick wall up your offer more type stuff, Cleveland got pissed. Like, yeah, we're not dealing with this dude. We gave you a, we're offering you a first rounder for a tackle. And you're out here doing this hardball nonsense. This dude hasn't played. He hasn't done any sort of training camp. And we're sitting here saying, hey, please take this first rounder. And it's a combination of Bruce being stubborn and just kind of being a jackass, which we know that he is. But it's also Bruce being exceptionally stupid and not understanding football. Because in the time that Cleveland was kind of hell-bent at first in acquiring Trent Williams, 
it was the beginning of the season. And if you know anything about the Cleveland Browns, this isn't gonna this is not gonna turn into just this big Cleveland Browns podcast. But if you know anything about the Cleveland Browns, they had a tiny bit of hype coming into this season. Just a tiny bit. And through the first couple weeks, they weren't great. But you saw a little bit of flashes. You know, you're like, all right, you know, they have a, they have a couple good things going on. So in the first four weeks, when that team's sitting there at two and two, the general manager and the, the the front office in Cleveland could probably look at their organization and look at their roster construction and be like, you know, we might just be a left tackle away. But because Bruce is out here being a moron and hardballing them and saying, hey, we need a lot more than this, he essentially allowed Cleveland to suck enough to where they can look at their roster and be like, yeah, we're more than a left tackle away. We got a lot of other holes to fill on this roster, and we're going to need that first-round pick to do it. We're not going to give it up for a guy that has had some injury-prone seasons who's also most likely not in great football shape at the moment because he hasn't put on pads in over in close to a year. So Bruce allowed Cleveland to get bad, thinking it would help him, but it hurt him, and he also was a jackass, so now they didn't want to do business with him. It is textbook 101 of how not to run a franchise. But hey, the culture, it's damn good. Here, in the building, right here in Ashburn, the culture, damn good. Really damn good. It's just unbelievable. He is so consistently wrong. I don't understand it. There were a couple other guys that we thought ju- maybe, just maybe, were going to get uh, to get moved. Josh Norman was a guy. I don't know if anyone actually thought he was going to get moved, but he was getting shopped. I think we're kind of done with the whole Josh Norman experience here. I was kind of ready to be done with it this offseason. Josh seems like a great dude. He seems like a guy that can kind of be the, the spokesperson for a franchise. But from a purely a football perspective, his best days clearly behind him. He's getting paid a whole lot of money. It's a time to let him go. Unfortunately, other teams have tape on Josh Norman, and they looked at him and said, yeah, we're not giving up anything for him. So the Redskins tried to move Josh Norman, and they were unsuccessful in doing so. I would imagine that uh, Josh Norman is probably done after this year. That's just kind of my hot take for this podcast. Josh Norman probably done after this year. And I don't mean done with the Redskins. I think that's guaranteed. But I mean done like just with football in general. Josh is a great dude. He has a, a whole lot of personality. He has some sort of future in the entertainment industry, whether that's in sports entertainment, on television, or just any other form of entertainment. He has a lot of other avenues that he can use his skill set for, and he doesn't have to get beat up uh, to do it on the football field. So I would just, that's my hot take for the podcast. Josh Norman probably done at the end of the season because I just don't know what else the market is going to be for him elsewhere. So unless he wants to take a massive pay cut here, which I don't see happening, there's there's no reason I think that he's going to be playing football uh, again next season. I mean, you never know. He might get a call late in the year, but I would guess that he does not uh, start next season on a 53-man roster. He just has other things to do, like go out and be a normal person. He, he has a lot of upside in that regard. And then Ryan Kerrigan was the other guy. And this one hits a little differently. Like I understand there's, there's, there's going to be a whole lot of fan backlash if Ryan Kerrigan gets moved. That just is how it is. He is effectively been the defensive face of the franchise for quite a few years. You see him on all of the commercials, you know, the Paisanos where he's yelling about the pizza and all that, Eastern Motors, if those commercials actually still run anymore. You see Kerrigan all over the place here. He's been a great leader. He's been great in the community for a long time. But it's very clear that he is a guy that is probably not in the future plans with the Redskins as well. 
He has nearly a $12 million cap hit next season. He's an unrestricted free agent after that point. You're not going to bring him in. You're not going to bring him back for for good money. So unless he takes a big-time pay cut, he's probably not coming back uh, in the 2021 season. So at this point in time, like it would be a good move, and a good organization would do this, to move on, to part ways with Ryan Kerrigan, send him to a good team. Like, don't go sending him to no Miami, although I don't think Miami would trade for him. But send him to a good team because there were some good teams that wanted his services. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at teams like the Colts and the Ravens. Send him to one of those teams. Get something back for him. But then you're also doing the player a service because Kerrigan is a guy that could help on either the Colts or the Ravens' defense make plays and possibly uh, go on a deep playoff run. So you're doing right by someone who was stuck with the organization and been a great guy in the organization for years. Do right by him, move on from him, but also benefit yourself. That would be what great organizations do. The Redskins, of course, did not do that. They kept him, and he can be a leader to some of the guys on the defensive line, some of the edge rushers. I get that. He does have some sort of... Uh, there, there are some benefits to keeping him for at least a little bit longer, but you're not going to move him next year. You know, it's going to be a very, very tough sell to move a guy with a $12 million cap hit that's also going to be entering free agency the next year. Like, hey, would you like to give us anything more than a seventh rounder for that? Teams are probably not going to do so. They're going to be like, yeah, you know what? No, we can just wait a year. Unless a team is just hell-bent on saying we are one edge rusher away. But even still, kind of like Josh Norman, there's a chance that Kerrigan's best days might be behind him. This is what good organizations do. They get rid of players before the players drag them down. And I'm not saying Ryan Kerrigan is dragging the Redskins defense down. Trust me, there are a lot of other guys that are doing that. But get rid of him and get something in return for him. And then, like I said, do good by him by sending him to a team that could contend if in the playoffs and you can send him to the AFC where you don't have to see him every every single year but it felt like this was an easy move to make and there were two teams that we know had some sort of interest in him and the Redskins just said no we're not taking calls on Kerrigan he is our guy take a hike and it's just it's a baffling decision and like I said I know he's good you see 91 jerseys all over the place here But at the end of the day, he's not putting butts in seats necessarily. If you've watched any of the games, no one is putting butts in seats at FedEx Field. If anything else, it's the other team that's putting the butts in the seats. So you're not holding on to him for that reason. You're holding on to him because you're kind of being a little stubborn. So I was a little upset that they did not move Kerrigan just for his benefit, but also for our benefit as well. Like this, The trade deadline has the possibility... And hear me out, because this is a crazy thought. It can benefit everyone that makes the trade. It's a wild concept, I know. But that's almost like how that was designed to work. But here the Redskins are, literally doing nothing. Not a single trade on what was one of the more active trade deadlines we've seen in the NFL. It's just terrible management. Time and time and time again. All right, we do got to talk a little bit about Dwayne Haskins. He played against Minnesota, and some people gave him the business. I was not a huge fan of that. I will absolutely be the first person to admit that he didn't play great against Minnesota. You look at his stat line, you look at the box score, and you say, oh, 
it doesn't exactly jump out at you for positive reasons. Three or five, 33 yards, a pick. And the pick was a pass to Terry McLaurin that he just sailed him on. And speaking of Terry McLaurin, still, we are just about halfway through the season. He does not get the ball enough. We don't give him the ball anywhere near as often as we should on offense. You're wasting a pretty good player out there because we have this weird revolving door of quarterbacks and we also just don't design plays for whatever reason to get him the ball. It should be at least one deep shot every single quarter to Terry McLaurin. You are bound to hit one of them. Worst case scenario, it gets picked off. It's a punt because it's like 50 yards down the field. It makes no sense. We have one win. Like I don't know what we are holding back on when it comes to getting Terry McLaurin the football. But then again, this organization, like I said, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I was so, I was stunned with the general reaction of the performance of Dwayne Haskins. Like I said, it wasn't good. I'm certainly not going to defend his performance. But do we not realize that he's a rookie? Because people are just crushing him. They spent a full entire week just crushing the dude. And it's like, we just don't know that he's a rookie. Like, was he expected to just come in and be the savior against Minnesota? Because if that was your realistic expectation for a rookie quarterback, you're stretching out a little bit. You're, you're reaching here. It's important to remember, Dwayne Haskins is not Robert Griffin III. I do think the ceiling for Dwayne Haskins as a passer is higher, but Robert Griffin III was ready to be plugged and played right away. That's why you traded multiple first-round picks for him. Because you saw a guy that could come in immediately and make plays. And to the credit of Robert Griffin, he did that. That is not what Dwayne Haskins is. That is not what we should be expecting him to be. He's a guy who, who has immense talent. The ceiling is extremely high. But he also played one year of college football. That has to be taken into consideration. And he had a great year at Ohio State, but it was one year of college football. So this is still very much a learning process. And yet people still think that he's going to come in against Minnesota and he's just going to go off for hundreds and hundreds of yards and multiple touchdowns. That's unrealistic expectations for a rookie quarterback. He's going to play this week against the Bills. He just is. He's getting first team reps. So I'm looking forward to that. We need to see what this kid is. Because we have people crushing him, but then we also have people saying, no, don't play him at all. That's a silly idea. And I don't understand either thought process. And I know there's a middle, there's kind of a middleman saying, like, hey, let's see what this guy can do. Let's play him. This is his job to play quarterback. Let's do it. But people are like, oh, you know, he's the future of the franchise. We don't want to get him hurt. You know why? Risk it. The team sucks. Don't risk him getting hurt. Like, do we not understand? This, this is football, right? Like, we do understand what this game is. This is football. I'm in complete agreement when it comes to just not sending the kid out there to die. But we also have to play football here. Like, it is his job to play quarterback for the Redskins. We still don't actually know everything that he is offensively. And there's all these rumors. You can pick and choose which ones you want to believe as to what is actually holding him back. But we won't know any of it until he plays. You learn a lot more about football by actually playing football. 
He can hold a clipboard on the sideline all he want and watch Case Keenum throw 12 times in a game. You are not learning from that as much as if you were actually on the field, as if you were actually looking at the defenses in real time. We have to see what this kid can actually do if we want to confidently lock in and say, this is actually our future. This is the guy that we are going to put the franchise on the shoulders of moving forward here. You got to see him actually play. So I'm excited to see what he can do against the Bills. Now, the Bills defense is pretty good, but their offense isn't. So this game might be a little closer than on paper, maybe. Maybe I'm just being a little too optimistic here. But with another week taking the reps, working with the first-team offense, and hopefully getting a game plan designed for him, which would be the first time as a a pro that he would have a game plan designed specifically for him to maximize his strengths and then just shy away from the weaknesses. If we can get that, we might be able to have a little bit of fun against Buffalo. I'm not predicting a win, because at this point, I mean, you kind of, you're almost kind of crazy to predict wins here for this team. So I'm not predicting wins, but I am predicting a lot better than three and five for 33 yards and a pick. We got to see what this kid is about. I'm excited to see what this kid is about. For the first time in a couple of weeks, I am actually excited for a Redskins football game. Let's see if this kid is actually the future. But at the same time, if he doesn't put up 400 yards and three touchdowns, we don't need to crush him. He is still learning how to play at the NFL level. This is exactly what we anticipated was going to happen. No one thought he was the savior immediately at 15. If you did, you might be off your rocker a little bit. And I say that with love. Nobody anticipated that is what he was going to be. Let's see what he can do against Buffalo. And then let's see how he regroups the week after that and the game after that, and see how he responds. Let's get him as the starter in back-to-back games. We will learn so much about the kid if we get him in back-to-back games and to see how he responds, how much better he gets from one game to the next game actually getting to play football. It's a wild concept, I know, but you have to play football to get better. That just is what it is. All right, that's going to wrap up uh, this edition of the Pigpen Podcast. Uh, Let me know any of your thoughts on the topics we discussed at Denton underscore day on Twitter. And, of course, you can find us at hogshaven.com. Subscribe to the podcast feed, and I'll see you next time on the Pigpen Podcast. Podcast.